0: All right, so today's message is going to be a little more educational in nature rather than inspirational. But well, that's okay, because we're going to be talking about the topic of God's guidance. And uh, I don't know about you, how many of you ever wish that God would just come right out and tell you what to do? Have any of you ever had that? You know, you're just like, God, just tell me. And the problem is, he just doesn't always come through. He doesn't turn on the light bulb, and so we're like, man, I just... And so, you know, we have that. We want God's guidance. But to be honest with you, there's other times where I wish God would just mind his own business. <laughs> Honestly, and which is a stupid idea, ridiculous, because my life is his business, right? It's his business more than it's my business. But to be honest, there's times I wish God would just let me do what I want without interfering, and those are the times he doesn't shut up at all. He tells me exactly what he wants, and I don't want to hear it. So we got this kind of thing going on. So we got this problem with God's guidance. Sometimes we really want it. Sometimes we don't. And uh, But that's okay. Because in the Bible, we have this promise that God will guide us. It's all through the Bible. And it's one of the reasons we can be be Christ positive. We can be positive people because we can trust in any given time God will guide us in his own way. Okay? and uh, And so... What I want to do today is kind of outline some of the ways that we can actually know God's will. And, and here's the promise. We've, the best statement of this is in Psalm 32. And I like this. It's one of my favorites. It says, God says to us, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the man who trusts in him. Look at what it says in verse 8. Okay? God clearly promises to instruct and teach us in the way we should go he says he's going to counsel us in fact he even says he'll watch over us which means he will help us out when we fall or stumble and take care of us when we don't get it right so we've got this promise of God looking over us okay so what's the problem well look at verse 9 how often are we like a horse or a mule and there's another name for a mule that I won't you know bring up to you and so how often are we like that that must be guided, must be, you know, moved around, jerked around by a bit in the, in the mouth or a bridle over the head. And, you know, how often are we, are we like that? How many of you have seen a parent who has to put a tether on their young child? Ever you see that? And some of us are like, oh, that's terrible. It's like, yeah, well, you got to understand, if you if you never had a kid like that, you can't really empathize with what those parents are going through. Because without that tether, that kid is going all over the place. They're going to run off, get lost, go into traffic, and they're going to die. Okay? And so that tether is keeping that kid alive. And we need to respect that. How many of us need a tether to God? How many of us go running off from God? How many of us could use that kind of connection? I got to say I've needed a few times. In fact, I have. it. God's jerked me back a few times. Thank you, Jesus, for that. And uh, so we have this, this need, and so that's what the problem is. But here's the deal. God does not want to tether us. He doesn't want to put a bit in our mouths. He doesn't want to put a bridle over our heads. God wants us to have the sense to do what he says, to follow his paths willingly. And that's what this is about. Because, like it says in verse 10... When we live separately from God, when we're always resisting His will, when we're always trying to do things our own way without considering Him, many are the woes of the wicked. Many are the woes of that path. But when we trust and obey God, we can be assured that God's love and protection and guidance and he will be with us, we'll be blessed. He'll always take care of us. So today, uh, I want to give kind of an overview of four different ways God guides us. Okay, there's four kinds of guidance, four different means the way God can move us. And so the first way is through circumstances. God just moves. In fact, circumstances are kind of like the bit and bridle, so we never really escape from that. But God uses circumstances, usually which are beyond our control. And it's true whether circumstances are good or bad, but God uses our circumstances to guide the way we go. And, uh, and this can be events. It can be people who come into our lives. It can be situations that impact us. It can be all sorts of things. Circumstances can be something as specific as a flat tire on the side of the road. But they also can be overarching in and, and general as the specific place in history, time in history you were born, and the specific place you were born. That's part of God's plan. He is sovereign. He's in control. And there's things that God just does because he's God. And it's our major purpose in this is to respond by accepting the circumstances God gives us and trusting, finding the way that we best can trust Him and do what He wants in the circumstances. Because God uses all circumstances to shape us into the image of Christ. And that's probably the biggest thing He's always after. He, sometimes He's not so interested in what I do, but how I do it. Am I doing it Christ-like? Okay? And circumstances, you know, do that. And so instead of going off and trying to solve and fix everything on my own, I need to ask God in every circumstance, hey God, what do you want here? Proverbs 3, 5-6 through 6. One of my favorite Proverbs, by the way Mike, I put that down for our Proverbs reading today, and is Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lead not on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight It's that simple and difficult, okay, at the same time. But that's what we're talking about. When it comes to the circumstances around us, most of the time we don't have any control, so we just acknowledge God, we trust Him, and figure out, God, how do you want me to be in this situation? That said, God oftentimes can use circumstances to guide us in our decisions. And as, you know, Proverbs 16.9, another favorite proverb is, Uh, a man plans in his heart a man plans his course or his way but god directs his steps and i gotta tell you i come up with a lot of plans you have you ever had a plan and the next thing you know stuff happens and you got to go this way or that way that's god and so he uses circumstances to direct our steps and our job is to stop pushing our way and go okay maybe this is a god thing Maybe this is a God thing. And again, simple stuff. How many times have I been looking for my keys or looking for something lost? And I'm not finding it. And Lisa's like, he's going to blow up any second. He's like, he's getting upset. Where are my keys? But I'm learning to stop and pray. Okay, God, I'm not finding my keys. I really need to, but I'll tell you what. If you want me to find my keys, you'll help me. Otherwise, what do you want me to do right now instead? What's the next step for me? And so I just, and I'm going to talk about that at the end. And I just go do that and I find my keys. Along with what else God wants me to do. It's kind of like that. Okay? And so, you know, we, we need to stop resisting God's interference in our life. Another thing, the way God uses circumstances, there's something we call open and closed doors. How many of you experienced an open door? How many have experienced a closed door? Okay. Uh, in 1st Corinthians Paul says this he says I will stay on a deficit until Pentecost because a great door for effective work has opened to me and there are many who oppose me in this passage we learn that God opened a door of ministry for Paul and he took that as this is where God wants me to do he wants me to do this and notice he says but the opposition is strong now this is important because an open door doesn't necessarily mean there won't be opposition opposition, hardship, struggle doesn't mean a closed door. A closed door, you just can't do it, period. But there'll be times God calls us to do something and it's difficult and we just have to learn to recognize the difference between the open door and the hardships that go with it because Paul experienced, you know, uh, opposition. But that was okay. There were people who needed to hear, who wanted to hear, and Paul was gonna go after that. And so, you know, open doors are so cool. And what's neat about open doors, is sometimes they're so dramatic and timely that it's, it's just hard to write it off as a coincidence. You know, have you ever had an open door like that? This can't be coincidence. For instance, Jim and Janet Fitch, they do the garden out here. They have this amazing ministry. They're, they're passionate. They have a mission. They have vision. And just this last week, Janet was talking to Jim one morning. He says, you know what we need out here? We need a cross. We need to put a cross up. And say, okay, let's do that. Okay, a couple hours later, one of the other gardeners comes up to them. This is, says, it says, you know, in my garage, I've got this cross that I'm going to repurpose. But I just thought I'd ask you guys if you wanted it. Okay. Now, what a coincidence, right? Okay, whatever you want, whatever. Open doors, closed doors, we, we got this stuff. And, uh, and so we just need to realize that God uses this stuff. And sometimes, it doesn't mean everything's going to be peachy. It just, we might go through some hard times. For instance, in Paul's life, Paul went through all sorts of things. God used persecution, the Roman government, even a storm and a shipwreck to get Paul where god paul where god wanted him those are hard things but they're also circumstances and paul just kind of went on the ride and he got to where god wanted him to go and so losing jobs you know getting flat tires tough things don't necessarily mean you're you know what's god up to ask the question however this circumstances are hard having an open door doesn't necessarily mean that's god's will And here's another passage for you, 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Paul says this, When I went to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ and found that the Lord had opened a door for me, I still had no peace of mind because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I said goodbye to them and went on to Macedonia. Interesting. Because Paul's concern for his teammate Titus was greater than the opportunity. And he decided to not go through the door, and to do what was more important. His loyalty to his brother in Christ took priority over the open door. So circumstances, they're tough. It's easy to misinterpret. It's easy to get wrong. Okay? God uses them, but we absolutely need to rely on and look for other forms of guidance to figure out what God wants. That's why we need other things. And perhaps the greatest source of guidance is the Bible. Okay? The Bible God's Word. I can't overstate this enough. Until you get the Word of God into your heart and your mind, until you read it and study it and meditate on it, you're always going to be missing God's will because that's the foundation. It's just, it's there. And He will always be having to move you through the bit and bridle of circumstances if you're not getting into the Word and figuring out what He wants and and doing that willingly. So the Bible is fundamental. In Psalm 119, it says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. Man, it doesn't get any more specific than that. The Bible functions that way. And as we get the word of God into our lives and obey it, God is able to treat us as mature sons and daughters. He's able to just say, Hey, I would like you to do this. And we go, Okay. Instead of children who have to be tethered. And the Bible is the first, it's the foundation for that. And, uh, when we, and when we do look at the Bible, and read it, God promises that we'll be blessed by that. Psalm chapter one, verses one through three: Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does, prospers. Wow! There's a promise. But it involves us getting into God's word, meditating on it so that we know the path he wants to walk. And when we do that, we will be blessed in Christ. You know, that's how God's instruction and teaching and counsel comes to us. And, and uh, you know, in the Bible, we get clear direction on the difference between right and wrong, good and evil, what is wise and what is foolish. And, and as we learn that and as we integrate that into our lives, we become more able to know what direction to go, what best decisions to make, as we get the Word of God into our lives. Our part is to listen and learn and obey. Obedience is essential. James says, Do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. So if you're reading your Bible and you're not doing anything about it, it ain't going to help. You got to do what you learn. Okay, we good. So we have circumstances. We have God's Word. As we start getting God's Word into our life, that opens us up to another kind of guidance, which is amazing, but we still need to have the Word of God. But I call this wisdom, spiritual wisdom, or godly wisdom, okay? And this wisdom is different from worldly wisdom, because there is a wisdom of the world, okay? There is a wisdom. Now, there's overlap, but the wisdom of the world is always trying to figure out how to live life, how to succeed, how to make the best of things in this world without God. That's what it's all about. Most of the self-help books are wisdom about how to help yourself without God. And that's not what this wisdom is about. And like I say, there's going to be overlap... But Christian wisdom in Christ is all about how to listen to God and figure out what he wants you to do, the wise thing. Look at this passage in in Colossians 1.9. Paul says, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and knowledge. And You see, as we learn to trust God in the circumstances, we learn to get into his word and and let his word fill our lives, we begin to gain this spiritual knowledge that comes from the Holy Spirit. And we we begin to have an intuitive sense of what the right thing to do and wrong thing to do as we face daily decisions. And it's a spiritual kind of wisdom about how to, you know, accomplish God's purpose in our daily lives. And, uh, And so that's what we're talking about here. So how do we get this? wisdom? Well, first off, we need to ask God for it. I mean, you need to like, recognize this wisdom is not from the bookshelves or, or your Kindle or, you know, Amazon. This wisdom is from God. So the first thing we do is ask for it. James 1 5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to him. God will always give us wisdom when we ask for it. Our problem is how we expect him to give it to us. Because he doesn't always just enlighten us. Now, sometimes he does. Have you ever had that inspiration of the right thing to do? It's like, oh, you know. But lots of times I'll ask God for wisdom, and instead of just telling me what to do, he directs me to something that involves me learning. You know, maybe a person to give me counsel, a book to read, or a class to go to, or something I have to do, a Bible pass, something to do where I have to learn wisdom. And that's the old-fashioned way we learn wisdom, by learning okay, and applying, and obeying, and, uh, you know, that's it. Now, the, the main source of wisdom is still the Bible, but now, wisdom takes what we learn in the Bible, and it's about how we apply what the Bible says to our lives. That takes wisdom. That's what we're saying. And, uh, and when we ask for wisdom, God will immediately put all sorts of learning opportunities in our path that we can take advantage of to learn the wisdom that we need. And, uh, and so, uh, we still need to attend the class. We still need to show up. And so, at church, for instance, we offer wisdom classes. So, you know, I often teach classes on communication and conflict resolution. You understand, those are wisdom classes on how to communicate, how to apply the Bible to our communication, how to apply the Bible to our conflict resolution. I teach a class on parenting. And it's about how to be Christian parents and how to apply principles. And there's all sorts of things there. You're not going to necessarily read those in the Bible, but it's spiritual wisdom that works. And it integrates the principles in the Bible to how we do things. Mike and Becky teach this amazing class on love and respect, which is all about husbands and wives need to love and respect each other. It changes lives. It changes marriages. It's a wisdom class. It really is. How many of you have heard of Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University? Okay. Okay. That's a wisdom class on how to bring God's principles into your finances. And we could, we could go on. Our brother Ken Warner teaches this amazing class called Experiencing God, Reflecting Christ. It's an amazing class. See, we got people who are like, yeah, let's do that. That's a wisdom class on how to experience God. You learn things in that class. Like, if, hey, if you really want to experience God, this is how you do it. But we still need to show up for class, and it's always discouraging when we offer stuff and very few people show up. It just tells me people don't want the wisdom. They're not interested. And so that's what we struggle with. And again, like all wisdom, we have to learn it. You know, we we are taught, then we have to apply it and practice it. And that's just how it is. Hebrews 5.14 says this, but solid food is for the mature. Who, because of practice, have had their senses trained to discern good and evil. You see the process there's a process there. And growing as a Christian, growing as a disciple, it involves us, you know, taking advantage of the learning opportunities to grow in this wisdom, because that's what God wants us to do. He doesn't want us to be fools, he wants us to be wise. And again, part of this learning is by trial and error. And this is another thing we need to understand. You know, if you make a mistake, don't worry. Because that's how you learn. God does not have a problem with your mistakes or my mistakes. In fact, he expects them. He promises to pick us up and to teach us. And so making mistakes are part of how you learn wisdom in your life, in your marriages, in your parenting, at at work. And you're going to make mistakes. That's okay because God's got you covered. And he will help you. The Holy Spirit comes in. After you've made a mistake and he teaches you wisdom, as you, what did I do wrong? Some of my best conversations with God have been after I've really screwed up, right? And that's, that's how we gain this wisdom. And, uh, and so, but I have some good news here. We don't always have to learn by our own mistakes. We can also learn wisdom from the mistakes of others right so God also to gain this wisdom God also tells us to ask others and to seek others to get advice a way of a fool seems right to him but a wise man listens to advice so to seek guidance from God go to those who are wiser than you and ask advice seek counsel gain training and basically what God's telling us to do go to those who've already made the mistakes and so technically I'm a really good source of wisdom because there isn't a mistake I don't think I have made, if not four or five, six times. I may not be able to tell you how to do it, but I can certainly tell you how not to do it. Okay? And there's wisdom there. And so people who are wise, they'll just tell you right up, yeah, uh, I've done that. I've messed up. If you really want wisdom, go to Brother Ken. And, uh, you know, my brother Ken, I tell you, he's, a, he's wise. And he's on my top three list of people I go to when I need counsel and guidance. That's just how that is. And he's transparent. (laughs) He's been through it. And so I have people I go to. They're on my list. You need to have people you go to. Stop trying to do stuff without asking advice. That's one of the ways we get godly wisdom. Stop being isolated and avoid, you know, go ask. So whether you're dealing with a hurt hang-up or habit or addiction, or you're dealing with financial issues, relational issues, go get advice, okay? But a final kind of guidance we receive from God is what I call special guidance. And it's special because it doesn't happen all the time, okay? It just doesn't. But it's exciting because this is where we get a sense that God is dealing with us personally and directly. It's special and unique to us. Now, in the Bible, you know, God spoke to many of his servants directly, face to face, and through angels and visions and and all that kind of stuff. And I'm not saying that God doesn't still do that. I think he still can. But that's really not what we're talking about here with special guidance. Most, the vast majority of Christians throughout all history have never heard you know, God show up and say, Doug, do they? Like, when I was making the decision to come to this church from my previous church in Los Banos, I did not hear a voice saying, Doug, leave Los Banos and come to, you know, Wilsonville and preach here. I didn't hear that. No. Are you surprised? But I did. And so, so what we're usually talking about with special guidance, we usually describe as that inner guidance the promptings, the nudges, that sense that this is the way to go the way to go. It's that proverbial, still small voice. It's not audible. It's just that inner voice. And we kind of read about this in Isaiah 30. He says, Wherever you turn to the right or the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, This is the way, walk in it. And I gotta tell you, it's it's a powerful thing. It's real. And I know many of you have experienced it, because I've heard you talk about it. And this is where God nudges me and prompts me and just gives me that little, rings my bell, this is what God wants me to do. You just get that sense. And it's oftentimes unmistakable, yet it's still not a voice. It's just that, that nudging. It's very subtle. Here's the deal. I would not be able to tune into that kind of guidance if I wasn't submitting to the circumstances God gave me, if I wasn't in His Word, and if I wasn't developing spiritual wisdom. When we try to rely... On this kind of special guidance without the other three. We become loose canons, and we get to deceive ourselves. We often hear God when we're just really hearing our own desires. And, you know, be careful of someone, and I hope I'm not stepping on any toes. Be careful of someone who's always saying, God told me this, God told me that. Did they really? I mean, how do you argue with that? You know, and I've had people say, God's telling me to do this, and you're going, that's not very wise. And, and you know that it's, yeah, so... You've got to have the first three. But as we grow, we begin to hear God. We begin to hear the feel of the nudges. And yeah, that's this is what God wants. And that's kind of what led me here. There were circumstances. There was definitely God's word. There was wisdom involved. But there was this huge, there was open door. Ken can, you know, verify how we talked on the phone and how things lined up, open door opportunities that were just very timely. But then there was this inner sense that God wants me to do this. And I had confidence that this was the right step, even though this place was a mess. Some of you remember, you know. And they, they said, Doug, uh, we'd like to have you, but we only have a year's worth of salary for you. So you got a year for this church to get back to the place. And I go, okay, God, is this what you want me to do? And the church has just kept doing amazing things. And so we need all, all the first three ones to do this one. And so be assured that God will guide you, sometimes through the circumstances, sometimes, well, all the time through the Bible, oftentimes through spiritual wisdom if you're willing to grow in that, and then pay attention. And you don't get that guidance unless you stop and ask God, what do you want me to do? With that in mind, let me close with three very practical tips on how to experience God's guidance in your life. Number one, do what you already know. This is like a no-brainer, right? Do what you already know. Half the time, we don't receive more guidance from God because we're not doing what we already know we're supposed to do. So what are you holding back on? What's the thing in your life you're resisting? Because God's not going to take you any further unless you, you know. And lots of times, it's something serious. It's like, I need to forgive this brother. I need to go to this brother and clear the air. I need to make right this problem. I need to clear this financial issue. I need to go to a counselor. I, need, I mean, there's something you know you need to do. Do what you know. I, okay, so you got that. Second, whatever you do, whatever you do, it doesn't matter. Do it all for the glory of God. Sometimes you don't know. Sometimes you're making a step of God. I don't know specifically what you want me to do. But I, God, I'll tell you this. I'm going to do my best to do this to your honor and glory. And God will bless that. Because sometimes we have to take steps without being totally sure. But commit yourself. And that's what he says. Whatever you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And a lot of, again, a lot of times God doesn't care what we do. He cares how we do it. And that's what's important to him. Finally, And this is one of my favorites. This is my go-to. If you're really stuck or confused, do the next right thing. Just do the next right thing. Thessalonians, Paul says, we constantly pray for you that by his power he may fulfill every good purpose of yours. And this is the phrase, every act prompted by your faith. What does that look like? So you're confused, you're stuck, I don't know what God wants me to do. So you stop and you pray to God, say, okay, God, what's the next right thing you want me to do? And then listen, and just listen. And you'll be surprised at some of the answers that come, because they're not what you expect. Doug, I want you to go wash the dishes. Well, that doesn't sound very spiritual. No, that's can be very spiritual. Go clean the kitchen. Go clean the bathroom. Go mow the yard. Okay, go spend some time with your kids. Go help your neighbor. Go serve somebody. There'll be something that pops in your mind. Go read your Bible. Go for a drive. There'll be something. What's the next right thing? And see if you won't experience God in that moment of God leading you to do the next right thing. And what do you do after that? The next right thing. And that can get you through your day. Especially if you're struggling with some issues that are just eating you up emotionally. And they're just, close it all out. Okay, God. I'm just being eaten up with resentment or a temptation. Or, okay, God, I surrender everything unto you. What do you want me to do next? And do that. It might might be make a phone call. need to call Mike, Mike, right now. (laughs) Okay. And that's what we're talking about. And here's the deal. When you do that, when you ask God and he talks to you, you are experiencing in that moment fellowship with God. You're experiencing God. And that's what God wants the most in all this. It's not about a destination. It's about the fellowship we enjoy as we go through life making decisions with God helping us. And that's why God sent his son Jesus Christ to die on a cross to cancel out the sin that separates from God and rose from the dead so that we might have the power in Christ to live new lives in spite of the circumstances. That's why the gospel is so powerful. We can be guided every day and live in fellowship with God. That's what ultimately God wants for us. Because 2 Corinthians, all this is from God who reconciled to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation and that God was reconciling the world to himself. Not counting men's sins against them. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And you know what? That might be the next right thing you have to do is accept Jesus Christ and be reconciled to God today. Because nothing else is going to matter until you do that. And if that's a decision, if that's your next right step, you better come talk to me or Mike or Ken or Becky or just talk to one of the leaders. And we'd be glad to help you take that next right step. Amen? Amen. All right, let's all be standing for a closing word of prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you that you're a faithful God. And uh, if we don't feel you in our lives, that's not on you that's on us because we're just busy doing other things and so help us to become more aware of your interferences your engagements and help us to realize how you are constantly guiding us and help us to develop the ears and the eyes and the senses to realize how you are moving in our lives every day every minute every second bless us as we go from this place father and help us to be the kind of people who experience you and reflect you to our community in jesus name we pray amen